Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me is our managing editor, Jim Fryer, our business editor, John Celentano, and our technology editor, Jay Sharp Smith. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com intelligence. Our first story this week comes from Jay Sharp Smith about General Motors and AT&T. Thank you, Leslie. This is a kind of a fun story, to, not a big surprise that there's been a lot of news about autonomous cars and the connected vehicle and uh, things like that. But this is really the first time that we've seen a major uh, automobile manufacturer, which in this case is General Motors, uh, make a commitment to putting 5G into their vehicles uh, as of uh, 2024. And as you know, it takes a uh, at least a couple of years uh, to, uh, I guess in this case, three years uh, to design something into a vehicle. So this is the first uh, uh, they could have made that uh, 20, 2024 would be the first year they could actually have that as, a, as an option. What this basically does is it gives them really, it's the cornerstone of, uh, of the smart city of autonomous cars. You've got to have 5G in the car to provide so many of the uh, information services that we've uh, we've been talking about for so long. And uh, so we're, we're talking about uh, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Cadillac. And uh, basically what they're going to do is they're going to put the, the core network within the car so you can have uh, uh, music and video downloads, you get over-the-air software uh, updates, navigation, mapping, and voice services initially. And then from there, you know, the, the sky's the limit because then all that has to happen, and I say that all that has happened, but uh, uh, the next thing that will happen will, will be the, the infrastructure will catch up and they'll start uh, providing more information to that car to, uh, to make it more safe and keep it from getting into accidents. So uh, I think it's all moving into, uh, it's all moving in a nice direction as far as cars are concerned. Thank you, Sharp. That brings us to Tuesday. Uh, Maryland officials are increasing their efforts to close the state's digital divide. Governor Larry Hogan Jr. and Democratic legislative leaders revealed a new program and a new work group aimed at making broadband more accessible to state residents. It's called the New Connect Maryland Initiative. It's supposed to boost broadband access. The initiative includes an additional $100 million in funding on top of the $300 million from the American Rescue Plan. 
It includes a bipartisan work group made up of municipal and county officials, along with members of the General Assembly, that will look at how to use 400 million in total in dedicated broadband funding. And Sharp, that brings us to Tuesday where you had a story about LG. Which is another kind of a fun forward-looking story because we're looking at, uh, we're looking at 6G and um, that's something that people have uh, sort of been rolling their eyes about because we've been reporting on it a little bit over the last year. But uh, this is uh, LG Electronics uh, taking uh, terahertz uh, spectrum and uh, projecting uh, a message across 100, uh, 100 meters, about 328 feet and beginning to play with how this is actually going to, uh, to work in the, in the real world. So uh, we have to know that if there's a 5G, there's going to be a 6G. And uh, the, uh, the timetable on it is about by the end, end of the decade, which is about right when it comes to uh, our technology, it, uh, it tends to flip over every decade. And uh, so this will allow a really short, very short, you know, in this case, 100 feet, uh, 100 meters rather, uh, uh, broadcasting and uh, it's really, really high, high uh, capacity and, uh, and they're searching for zero latency. So a lot of it is really in line with uh, all the other trends that we've seen in 5G. So uh, it's going to be a fun story to, uh, to watch unfold over the next 10 years. And that brings us to a story that occurred Tuesday. We reported on it Wednesday morning. Um, in a 220 to 212 vote, the House passed a $3.5 trillion budget resolution. They also advanced the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. The vote allows Democrats to write and approve a spending package without Republicans. And it puts the Senate-passed infrastructure plan on a path to final passage in the House. It includes a commitment to vote on the infrastructure bill by September 27th. That brings us to a Wednesday story we had on Crown, Jim. Thank you, Leslie. Yes, Crown, a city I actually once lived in for a while. I was the general manager of the Pittsburgh Business Times. Uh, so I got to know it very well and uh, know that it's basically the hometown of Crown Castle. Uh, although they are now headquartered in Houston, but um, they still have a very large uh, London presence in Cannonsburg outside of the, outside of the city. And uh, they recently announced that um, they signed a contract with the, the city for a $10 million fiber municipal network that uh, will connect 131 city facilities to one single network that will include buildings such as emergency response and dispatch centers, and also uh, those in recreational areas. Thank you, Jim. Thursday, we had a story about the FCC getting $5 billion in funding requests for the Emergency Connectivity Fund. The total fund is $7.17 billion, so that's quite a big chunk. The applicants sought money for more than 9 million connected devices, and 5.4 million broadband connections. The interest was so high, the FCC is planning to open another filing window that will open September 28th and will close on October 13th. 
Schools and libraries can ask for funding for connected devices and broadband connections for off-campus use by students, school staff, and library patrons for the current 2021-22 school year. It's important because A, it goes for this school year, and B, we don't know what's going to happen with the coronavirus. So many school systems are probably going to have um, online learning either as a component or all, depending on what goes on with the virus. And that brings us to a story from Sharp on Thursday about New Hampshire. Thank you, Leslie. Um, we covered a presentation by uh, a professor and chair of the electrical and computer engineering department in the University of New Hampshire. His name is uh, uh, Dr. Kent Chamberlain. He made a, uh, a very lengthy, uh, well thought out and uh, very professional presentation in front of uh, the town of Lenox, uh, Massachusetts uh, Board of Health uh, in a remote meeting. The story here really is uh, remarkable to me. Like I said, a very professional presentation. However, if, when you listen closely uh, to it, he, uh, he made a lot of very uh, uh, opinionated negative statements about the effectiveness of uh, FC regulation, FCC regulation, and uh, basically accused the wireless industry of being willing to risk the, the health of the populace in order to achieve uh, uh, profits. And um, he was on the commission to study the environment and environmental and health effects of evolving 5G technology, which uh, lasted for, uh, uh, for a year and uh, came out uh, recently with a report, which uh, I think every, every uh, carrier should be aware of uh, uh, that at, uh, at, at hearings coming up uh, that 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 uh, report will be uh, will be used as uh, evidence against the, the wireless industry, and uh, uh, like I said, it it looks all very official and uh, very real, except for when you uh, listen to him talk. Here's one of the quotes: uh, "So what's going on at the FCC is that there's a revolving door where people from the industry go in and serve at the FCC and come out and work for the telecom industry." That's why the FCC is not protecting us. You'll likely hear from people who are going to quote the FCC radio frequency radiation limits and say, oh, we're fine because we're within the FCC guidelines. And then he goes on to say, quote, that doesn't mean squat. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, it's really a situation where I think, uh, I think the wireless industry needs to watch uh, this fellow and watch out for this this uh, this report, and we have a link on it in our in our article on it because it uh, it will be used against us in uh, in the more contentious uh, hearings uh, and uh, zoning hearings. So a little disturbing to uh, to hear something like that uh, uh, going on. Well, and that brings us to an FCC story we had on Friday. The right. FCC proposed a more than $5 million fine against two lobbyists and a lobbying firm. Um, the lobbyists were John Berkman and Jacob Alexander Wall. And the firm was J.M. Berkman and Associates, which is Berkman's political consulting firm. The commission said it was the largest robocall fine it had ever 
uh, levied, but also they say these men apparently made more than a thousand unlawful robocalls to wireless phones without prior consent, consent, which violates the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. The Enforcement Bureau found that the calls were apparently pre-recorded and made to voters' wireless phones. The commission began investigating it after receiving consumer complaints, and the Enforcement Bureau was helped by the Ohio Attorney General's office. Um, They had robocall services confirming what had happened here. Consumers told the agency about the calls and confirmed they did not give prior consent. Um, the, what they did was say to wireless callers, if you vote by mail, your, your personal information will be part of a public database that will be used by police departments to track down old warrants and will be used by credit card companies to collect outstanding debts. So these guys were apparently using the calls to discourage voting in low income areas. And the FCC acting chairwoman, Jessica Rosenworcel, said the agency is stepping up its efforts to combat illegal robocalls. Um, And she thanked the help of the Ohio Attorney General's office. She said, this kind of collaboration is really important in our work to combat illegal robocalls. And I look forward to future collaborations like this with other law enforcement partners. And that brings us to, if I could find this again, that brings us to a story about owls on Friday. Jim, take it away. Uh, Sure. Yes. Well, it's, I guess, I don't know if anybody can take comfort in knowing that uh, the U.S. is not the only one to have problems with birds nesting in their towers. Uh, Here it seems to be osprey and turkey buzzards who took the turkey buzzards not only nest in the tower, but do horrible things while they're up there and making it very icky for tower climbers to climb up there amidst all the droppings and whatnot coming out of turkey vultures. Um, but that, that also seems to be the case in Africa, uh, but it's owls, who I think are a little cleaner than turkey vultures. But um, the probably the largest, so I think it is the largest tower company in Africa, MTN, has decided to tackle this problem head on uh, by putting up actual nests and houses, small little birdhouses, to accommodate barn owls. Um, They are working with the Owl Rescue Center, a wildlife conservation effort that is there to provide safe homes for owls. And um, they have approximately 100 boxes or birdhouses already installed in MTN's towers. And boxes, of course, were being proactive and, and environmentally sound. They were made from recycled materials. Uh, but MTN has said that uh, they have a responsibility to protect the environment so that their customers and communities can live in harmony with the surroundings. And uh, their spokesperson, Jackie O'Sullivan, uh, said that she thought the barn owls had a particular uh, affinity for MTN towers. I think she's a little biased, but uh, that's that's how South Africa is, uh, an MTN in Africa is is attacking the bird problem by giving them a place to live. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. 
Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.